You're listening to the Illustration Hour podcast, an interview podcast where I talk to illustrators, art directors, and agents about the craft and business of illustration. My name is Julia Dufosse, and I'm an editorial and commercial illustrator based in Chicago. And I'm chatting with creatives within the world of illustration to learn about their process, the challenges they faced along the way, and how to succeed as an illustrator today. You're listening to the Illustration Hour. I'm your host and fellow maker of images slash illustrator, Julia Dufosse. Today, I'm talking with Melanie Lambrick, who is an illustrator and designer based in Montreal, Canada. You can find Melanie on Instagram at Melanie Lambrick or on her website, which is melanielambrick.com. Melanie's work really caught my eye from the moment I first saw it on Instagram. It's delightfully textured filled with brilliant color palettes and pleasing compositions. Melanie's work is a nod to the folk art traditions of the 1960s, works by illustrators like the great John Alcorn and Charlie Harper. Melanie has worked with a nice bunch of distinguished clients like the New York Times, the Washington Post, Volkswagen, Fortune Magazine, and Medium. You might be surprised to learn, as I was, that Melanie wasn't always an illustrator. Illustration is, in fact, Melanie's second career, and she left a steady full-time job behind to follow her dream of illustrating. So we talked about this transition from full-time to freelance, and more importantly, we talked about the complicated issue of finding your style in the very beginning. Melanie's style actually changed quite a bit since she started illustrating, and I wanted to ask her what led to this evolution and how she arrived at something that feels so cohesive and genuinely hers. So what follows is an honest conversation about the pains of starting out in illustration, about the challenges you might find yourself facing in your first few years as a freelancer, and about how to establish yourself. So if you've ever doubted yourself, your voice, or your style, You will find this episode full of comforting anecdotes and helpful lessons. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Melanie Lambrick. Melanie, hello. Hello. Yeah, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. This is like, it's really flattering because I've been listening to your podcast and it's just, I'm so happy there's something like this, like that exists for illustrators specifically. Do you listen to a, a lot of, of illustration podcasts? Um, I listen to podcasts intermittently and sometimes illustration and sometimes it's like I'm illustrating and listening to an illustration podcast and it's just too, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it depends on where I'm at, but yeah. Do you have a few like illustration podcasts that you, that you really enjoy? Um, honestly, besides this one, there's the other one with, I'm so bad with names. Are you, were you going to mention uh, Creative Pep Talk? Or? Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, with, um, with Andy J. Miller. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the biggest, I think he has the biggest illustration podcast slash he, I mean, his podcast is huge now. He's been doing this for, for a long time. 
I want to ask you a question that I usually, I ask everyone uh, when they come on the show, which is just to tell me how they describe what they do um, to people who have no idea what illustration is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's a hard one. It, it depends, I guess, on your audience. Like if I'm, I usually try and say illustrator and then, um, if people just aren't familiar with this kind of work, they'll immediately be like, Oh, graphic designer. And, um, you have to gauge whether or not that's where you're going to leave it. I, I try to correct people just because I don't do a lot of graphic design and I feel like it's not fair to graphic designers, but maybe it, you know, it might be a very fine distinction to some people. So. Yeah. It maybe design is more open. I feel now like yeah. saying, saying just design instead of graphic design, but yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Sometimes when you say illustrator, either. people have a hard time um, imagining uh, something that would pay you enough as an illustrator or yeah people are pretty skeptical when I'm like no just the pictures like I don't lay anything out or like do any type work really mm -hmm. or uh yeah it's funny to see people's reaction when they realize that's a real job um and and most of your work comes from editorial is that right yeah yeah I would say like that's um like 60 to 70 percent of my work Uh, mm -hmm. is editorial and I really love editorial work it's uh it's why I wanted to become an illustrator so uh I I try and keep it as like the main the mainstay of what I do mm -hmm. and and how long have you been doing this now um so this is my fifth year I think uh-huh it's it's actually my second career so I was um I have a master's degree in urban planning and I was working in urban planning and international development for about five years before I switched to illustration. So something completely different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's, it's still relatively new to me. I feel uh -huh. like it's quite new and I didn't do, um, I did a visual arts bachelor's degree, but it was in photography. Mm -hmm. So I'm mostly self-taught as an illustrator. So I feel like, The first couple of years, even though I was working, were also kind of like my own homeschooling for this career. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I can totally um I can totally empathize with that because I've had pretty much the same thing happen. Um but it's it's yeah, the first few years are you experimenting with your work as well and discovering how you want to like what you what you want to be known for, which is Uh, really hard and for me at least it was a very um, stressful time <laughs> yeah yeah it's not it's not easy and it's really like um, it's just really lonely sometimes I think when you're you're doing it completely on your own and you don't have critiques and stuff like it just takes you've got to go through all the motions and you've got to try things and uh, without the feedback it can be very scary Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's how it felt for you. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and it just the stress of if you if you were in the path where where you had a job or you were getting paid beforehand, I think the stress of of letting that go um, and not knowing if you're going to be able to make it work is is really something that I it 
it intrudes on you discovering your style too, because you're, I, for me, I was always stressed about the practical things, like the concrete, like if, am I going to be able to make money? Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It, I, that's, I mean, that's, it's so unfortunate that that is what happens when you're, when you're starting out, if you don't have sort of the cushion of school maybe, or I don't know how people do school and illustration, but um, when you're, when the first thing in your mind is like, is this going to be profitable? It really hin- like it inhibits your creativity a bit, I think, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning and getting past that is like, it's its own lesson for sure. So how long were you, um, uh, I, I'm not sure what your job was in urban planning uh, or what your title was, uh, but h- how long were you doing that um, for? Uh, I was doing that for five years. I was a project manager for like um, an NGO and it was like, oh. it was a really cool job. It was working for women's rights in cities and it was, it was pre the Me Too movement. So um, it wasn't quite as, as well known now, but or as it is now, but you know, when I was working in 2007, 2008, we were working on stopping street harassment and, sexual harassment and we were working with urban planners to see how we could make safer cities um, with groups of women all over the world. So it was, it was a completely different kettle of fish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And when did you kind of realize that you wanted to do something different? I I assume you didn't know right away that you wanted to illustrate, although I might be wrong. Uh, No, no, you're not wrong. I, I mean, it was a really it's a funny thing because I didn't dislike my job at all. It was a really cool job and I got to travel and I got to do all this stuff and I felt like I was making a difference. Um, it was really taxing in terms of like just the hours a week uh, mm-hmm. I was working and I was always trying to sort of do something creative on the side just for myself, whether it was like making jewelry or taking photos or drawing or, you know, painting, but it was, I wasn't really having the energy to get there um, after working 80 hours a week or whatever it was. So I I don't know what clicked. I, I got really burnt out, definitely. And I knew I needed a break. Um, and I when I took the break, I, illustration was not like at the forefront of what I thought I would be doing. I just kind of stopped. I went down to part time. I started sort of thinking about what kind of creative things I could do just for my own mental health and for my happiness. And uh-huh. um, I mean, I've always kept a sketchbook or something like that, but I, I thought maybe it would be graphic design or maybe it would be photography. Um, and I was sort of dabbling in those things as like um, money-making ventures. And mm-hmm. it's really funny how I got into illustration in the end. It was, that there was a grant available to start a business um, and an amazing grant here in Quebec where they essentially pay you minimum wage for an entire year while you get your business started guaranteed and you can make, you know, however much money more than that um, on your own. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And the one really weird caveat about it was that it had to be a job, like you had to create a job for yourself that you didn't have previous experience in. Um, so, and, 
so you had previous experience in design, so you yeah, couldn't, exactly. Okay, okay. I had, and I was like, well, you know, I really love drawing, and I wouldn't like go out on a limb, maybe on my own. But since there's this opportunity, why don't I just try uh, doing illustration? Because it's such a cool, like, it's like a dream job. So I'll just, you know, I'll give it a year and see what happens. Um, and I have all this support, and I got to go to business school, so I learned all the ins and outs of the like the boring administrative financial side of things, the marketing side of things. Um, and then after a year, it was sort of, it worked. So I just never stopped. Wow. So they, they also like, they also support you going to school and, and, and learning during that time? Uh, they have their own business program. So you can't, like, I couldn't go to school for illustration. Uh, but oh, I, I did. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was like business school, which is a. I see. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's still that helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it got me really organized right from the start. Yeah. And um, I can't believe that that's a thing in Canada. I mean, we, I, I mean, in the US, a lot, a lot of times there's rumors about Canada being just more socially <laughs> progressive, but that's definitely an example of something yeah. that, that seems really, really interesting, really cool. And just, I mean, that's just a, it takes a lot of uh, pres pressure off of you, I bet. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's not a program everywhere in Canada. Like, I think it's really specific actually to Montreal where okay. I am. But, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to qualify and then you have to like apply. And it's not like everybody gets to do it. But Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's, I mean, things like that exist here. And I'm so grateful because it made it a lot less scary, definitely. And it gave me the chance to start right from the beginning full-time so they really kind of they sponsored you to to create your own business to 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 have your own freelance business exactly mm -hmm. and and so you how did it um i guess how did it evolve over that year i imagine in the beginning it was really different right yeah yeah like i uh in the beginning i didn't really know a lot about how to be a professional illustrator and I'd never run my own business and um sort of my business model was like making these little gouache paintings and selling them at markets because um, you had done that before or? well it's just sort of like I did it for fun and I was into painting mm -hmm. and 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 I wanted to do editorial um maybe because of my background doing urban planning and like political science-y stuff. It was, I really wanted to keep my head sort of in the news and in current events and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the first few things I did, I actually did do editorial contracts where I either painted it in ink or in gouache. Um, and I quickly realized that wasn't going to be an easy process. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I, as I realized that was what I wanted to do, um, I had to sort of switch my mode of working and figure out how to digitally illustrate so I could do things much more quickly and make changes as needed. And um, by the end of the year, I mostly switched to doing editorial and doing everything digitally, which was a huge, I had no idea when I started that's the direction I was going to take. But I, I don't know, like, um, I really respect people who, who do illustration as like a, a product they can sell in markets and stuff, but it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do to make enough money and to 
Oh, to make enough money just out of uh, product sales like that? Yeah, product sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, and wholesale and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's really tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a totally different game than getting into editorial, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't able to do them both. Like My head just couldn't go back and forth. Yeah, it's very time consuming. I think for that to work, you have to go to a lot of fairs and conventions. Um, mm-hmm. And that takes a while. That takes a long time to set up. Uh, yeah, it's it's very time consuming. Um, yeah, so um, I guess how did you get your first few editorial assignments? Did you were you emailing a lot of art directors? Um, the first thing I did, yeah, the first thing I did was I was I was quite intimidated, so I thought the best thing to do. Would be to reach out to sort of um, magazines I cared about, but maybe couldn't pay illustrators. So it was a little less scary. Like I felt like the bar was a little lower. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. You you wanted to target places where you thought you, like, I guess you didn't target uh, uh, very, uh, like a, a high level kind of uh, publications. Like you don't, you didn't yeah. email. Yeah. Like the first, couple of months I definitely didn't like write the New Yorker and be like yeah. hire me. I, I went to sort of like um magazines that were doing like cool feminist things or stuff mm-hmm. where I knew the budget mm-hmm. was low but I would at least feel really good contributing. Uh, I didn't mind doing that the first the first few jobs and that sort of taught me how to deal with art directors, how to deal with feedback, how to like look at an assignment and figure out my my process and my workflow. And then after a few months, I did a big postcard mailing thing, and that worked out really well. I was that kind of had me got me set for the next year. And what was the what was the postcard thing? Um, was it like what you have now, which is like I know you do a monthly postcard series. I really liked the ones you posted recently. Is that something? Is that what it was, kind of, or no? No, it was just like a one-off promo. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and I, you know, I made a big list of art directors, and and that's when I did start contacting, you know, dream clients and um, reaching out. And I wasn't really sure what would happen, but I also, as I said before, I was in business school, and they kind of make you do it. Oh, so they encourage you guys to kind of directly contact people like that? Yeah. Well, they were like, make a marketing plan. What do illustrators do? And as far as I could tell, they did like these postcards and mm-hmm. emails. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it. I'll just, and it, I might've been slower if I didn't have someone breathing down my neck saying, okay, you said you were going to do this on the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. 4th of December or whatever. So I sent out about, I think the first time I sent out about 300 postcards, which was a lot. 300. Yeah. 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 But um, it did, it got me like, it got me my first regular client. It got me a few more editorial jobs. And then from there, I had the confidence to sort of start regularly emailing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kept up the postcards for a couple of years. I, I I know some illustrators find them really not helpful and some find them very helpful. Yeah. Um, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. 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 I, I don't, they've always helped me out. I, I, I feel like at the beginning, especially before I had like a, even now it's, you know, social media, you never, quite sure where where jobs come from but um 
before I had much of a social media presence or anything like that, it was really nice to have that as a tool. I think the reason why it might have worked for you, I suspect, is that you really committed and sent out hundreds of them. And I think sometimes when people do this, they they undercommit and you can't really do that for sending physical mailers because you have to kind of cast a, a, a wide net and really send a lot of them out because a lot of them like are never going to be looked at. Um, so it's, yeah. I think it's more a numbers game. And honestly, yeah. the fact that it was for you, it was more like an assignment that you had to do <laughs> made you more likely to commit and send a lot of them. But it does cost cost a lot of money, a lot of money to send 300 of them, which a lot of people, that's why it they does. don't. And yeah. it was really overwhelming. Like that was like a really scary investment for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I really crossed my fingers that I would at least have the, the cost of the mailers covered from <laughs> yeah. that endeavor. And it, and it did, it did work out. And it was, I mean, the jobs, I could not have predicted who got back to me on those mailers. Like it was you know, local magazines in like San Diego and like a cooking magazine here in Montreal. And it was just, you know, you can't really, I think because I also didn't really understand who my clientele were going to be casting a wide net. Wasn't a, wasn't a bad, bad idea. I think now, like I'm just in the process of making new mailers and, um, physical mailers still. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually done it in, Oh, like maybe two years, mm-hmm. but this time around, I'm, you know, I'm sending about seventy five because I really know who, who yeah. I want to work with. But mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a bad thing at the beginning to just if you're not sure do a lot. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what was on the mailer, the first mailer that you sent? Uh, do you remember how you picked, I guess the the image on it and what the copy was like? Um, I think. I made like a specific image for the mailer. Mm-hmm. Like it was, um, it was like an image about seeing things in a particular way. Like, I mean, looking back on it now, it's a little embarrassing and like <laughs> on the nose, but I think it was like something like, you know, a woman looking through binoculars and the binoculars had like uh, light bulbs in the reflection or something. <laughs> yeah. And it was just sort of about like, showing ideas and I, I did actually handwrite messages to every single one of those 300 people the first time. Oh, you time. did? Okay. Yeah. yeah, like it was like a several week process. So there was no real like copy that you sent to everyone. It was all personalized? No, it was like, it was, yeah, I mean, personal to the, as much as I could do. And I mm-hmm. think just handwriting it too uh, made it quite personal. Do you remember the sort of things you said? Was it more like, here's my, uh, you can check out my work here and I'm available? Or was it, did you ask something directly? Uh, yeah, I'm just interested. Um, well, it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. It was probably, I mean, obviously, here I am. <laughs> here's yeah. my website. Yeah. Please look. Uh, but also, you know, maybe a bit, I tried to pick out something interesting or like if I could get the pub I couldn't obviously afford to like buy all the publications that I was trying to market to but I would try and see something online that I thought was interesting or something like that like I really so you really put a lot of thought into the messages it sounds like I did and I think that might have made up for like the lack of experience and stuff in that uh, people felt like it wasn't just a mass mailer yeah I think sometimes 
art directors might admire the commitment and when you're like personalizing everything, sending out something physical, mm-hmm. it can really work. Yeah, it can really work. So I guess after that, you got, uh, it sounds like you got a bunch of commissions from from that one mailer. Do you remember? Yeah. Like, it, it kept you busy for a while, it sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it at least got me rolling. And then as, as more things went out into the world, it got more jobs. So um, that was helpful. I mean, it wasn't like I was like overwhelmed with work. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah. it was, a, I think it was a strong start all things considered, it it was enough. It was enough for that first year when I had support. Um, The second year, I worked, I would say like 70% as an illustrator and 30% as a designer for somebody else. I had a second job. A part-time job? Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you weren't able to fully go freelance the second year? No, but the third Mm. year I did. And the last two years I've been full-time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You had work on the, in the second year, just not enough to really keep you completely afloat. Yeah, and I I still don't know if that's because I took a like I wasn't confident enough, and I was like I better take the second job just in case. Mm-hmm. I was doing mm-hmm. design work, and then I wasn't you know I was a bit doing creative work for somebody else, and then going home and then doing more creative work for yourself can be a bit exhausting like it kind oh, of yeah. slows the whole process down and I wonder if I hadn't have done that if I had just committed 100% um if I could have kept it full-time that whole second year but I don't yeah I don't know I think it's really personal because if you're really really anxious about about money I feel that sometimes that can slow you down too yeah um, that's it and it's um I don't know it's what you're comfortable with what your bills are I live pretty lightly I live in a city that's very affordable so those things have super helped me out. If I was living in an expensive city, I don't know. I don't know how it would have worked. Yeah, it's much tougher to quit a full-time job and go freelance when you live in a city that's more more expensive, I think. I always wonder how people do that in places like New York or San Francisco. I have no idea how they make it work, but yeah. Yeah, me either. And not not in the beginning anyway. Yeah. So... After that, I, I mean, I know that now your style is is really different from what it once was, and I guess in the in the very beginning, it must have been even more different. Yeah. But I think your style has really changed. Do you remember when it actually evolved into what it is now? Um. Yeah. Like it was actually a really conscious decision about a year ago, um, mm-hmm. because I'd been working. I'd been working a lot. Like too much it felt really exhausting um and I was like obviously so grateful to be doing a lot of work but I was doing a lot of projects that were like maybe more commercial or um people were just asking me to go in a lot of different directions that Mm. didn't really feel like my style and because um it's always scary being freelance I felt like I should just do it and Can you give me a few examples of, of types of things that they would ask for? Yeah, like um, I had a client and they were like a really big client and they paid really well and it was a really exciting name. Um, but what they wanted was something uh, very cartoony. Oh, okay. So they had a specific style that they wanted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um the subject, like they, they gave me the subject matter to draw and it was like very, 
the voice wasn't mine at all. Like the sense of humor wasn't mine. It was just, it wasn't me at all. And they were very specific and they really wanted it done this way. And it was something that was animated and it went on for months. There was like, it was like a several month campaign and I did a lot of work for them. And it was, it was really cool. And I learned a ton, but at the end, I just kind of looked at it and I was like, I don't want to put this in my portfolio, you know, like it feels like it's because I don't want to get more work that looks like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, but I felt bad because as you know, I, it's just such a good client and like, what do you do? And you want to show off that you work with them and that you, you could handle a big job like that. But in the end, I just didn't end up sharing it really. Yeah. Um, and I, I just found I was getting quite a few jobs like that. And I felt like, um, there maybe was something about the work that I was showing in my portfolio that was giving people the idea that like it, it could be bent in a lot of different directions. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really know what it is, but you know, it feels like people just, they look at it and they want something completely different, but they think that it's okay. Like they think that I'll be able to pull it off, which is flattering, but you know, it, it doesn't feel like you're developing your voice that way. And Maybe does it did it feel like people were treating you more as a designer because that's sort of like the way people tend to treat designers as opposed to illustrators. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It did feel like that. And it was strange because, you know, I have friends who are illustrators and they weren't sort of getting that kind of contract from clients and um I mean on top of it I just I had sort of already settled into a style that wasn't quite right but I had started doing it and people liked it and I was getting work and then I felt like I had to keep making this style mm -hmm. and I think that's cool and it was part of my learning process but at a certain point I realized like oh this just isn't like is this something I've outgrown this doesn't feel like me like what feels like me what what was your style like it was like very minimal and bright and flat and like kind of vectory shape shape-based work I was super influenced by like mid-century illustration and I don't know, I was just really into like reducing things into a, a series of shapes. Yeah, yeah. So a more like vectory uh, than your current work, I guess. It has a more vectory vibe. Yeah, I think so. And I was, I mean, I was also working a lot in Illustrator, which just sort of lends itself more to shape-based work, I think. Although you can do stuff to it afterwards that really changes the look of it. Or there's even people who work in Illustrator and it looks really different from what you would expect. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> but any, anyway, the way I was working in it, um, that's sort of what evolved. And um, yeah, I, I guess what I realized was like, it sounds a bit silly, but when I was like in high school um, and when I was in university, like, I used to just doodle on the sides of my my notes for class yeah. and like share them with people and make these funny stories. And it was like a very like just I just had like a ballpoint pen and that's what I was doing. And that's kind of like what I became known for. And um, when I was in art school, even though I did photography, I took a few classes for drawing because you have to. And I would draw like that. And, the, you know, my professors were like, oh, you know, like, that's not really fine art. And that's not really, uh, you know, they just had a lot of opinions about it. And uh, that was like around, I don't know, like 2002, 2003, when commercial art wasn't cool or something. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, 
And I just developed this like really weird hang up about, you know, drawing with a black line and pen. And it took me, I mean, it's taken me years to realize like, that's how I like to draw and it's fine. And that's what I'm good at. And that's what flows for me. And so I feel like all this sort of work that I was doing before was me trying to avoid that because I thought it was somehow, I don't know. I don't know what I thought was wrong with it. I admire so many artists who draw like that, but did you think it was less professional or? Yeah, I guess. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just had some funny hang up and it took me a long time to realize that it wasn't coming from me. It was coming from outside and I didn't really have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of went, I've just recently gone back to just using like drawing with a pen, either on paper or in Photoshop or however I'm doing it, just because I love, I just love that line and it just feels so good to work that way again. Yeah. And it it's funny because you can really see the the shift, especially if you look on your Instagram to your like previous Instagram post. There's a, really a shift. I feel like there's a similar maybe like sensitivity in, with when it comes to color, but but you see that shift in the way you use texture and line. And I I that's around the time I started noticing your work actually. And I it's funny that you said your your old work was very inspired by mid-century because I think currently your work is has a very like a nod to mid-century illustration as well it, it looks a little bit like I don't know the way you this line reminds me of of some um, mid-century illustrators a little bit yeah yeah I probably won't escape that because I do, I do love that stuff and I love the 60s and the 70s and just that whole being from the west coast that culture kind of never really disappeared from where I grew up so it was just always around people just had a bunch of really old hippie publications everywhere and kids books and that aesthetic has just always stayed with me I think it probably will always yeah yeah it'll always show up in the work which I don't I don't mind it's that's me for sure yeah do you make all those textures on um do you make them um, by hand or do you tend to work more with Photoshop? Um, it's kind of a mix of both. Like it depends on how quickly I have to go. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll use a brush or I'll use a texture or I'll create a texture and then just sort of reuse it over and over again for certain things if I'm in a hurry. And then when I have the time, I like doing it either just like line by line, dot by dot or making like a handmade texture and scanning it and doing all that stuff. But it's really, it depends on what my schedule is, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of adapt it. Yeah, or I try and at least have a mix so it's not all one thing. Yeah. I think your work also is just very distinctive in your, I think you're very, very, very good at colors. And that really makes your work stand out a lot. Besides the quality of the lines, which are really interesting. But the, your use of color is is always really uh, impressive. How did you learn to use color like that? Was it something you had to learn? Oh, uh, prob- I don't know. I mean, probably not. I I grew up, um, my mother was like a seamstress and my aunts and my grandmother. And so I think, like I grew up a lot around textiles mm, mm-hmm. and um kind of in an isolated place. So it was always like, just make your own crafts and do your own things. And it was always like, use what's around you. So there were always probably really random, weird colors of things hanging out. And I remember being very frustrated and being like, I really want to make this look good, but these are like 
five ugly colors. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it, it probably comes from that is just trying, you know, trying to combine materials at hand and probably coming up with color combinations that are a bit unusual or something. Yeah. But it was never a struggle for you coming up with color combinations? No, I guess not. I don't even think about it, actually. It's just sort of, that's like the easiest part of the process for me. Really? That's that's so interesting. So uh, tell me more about, about the process. I, if you want to take a specific assignment, that'd be fine. But how do you, how do you start a project and how do you How does it go from start to finish? It depends on the assignment. For editorial, I have like a pretty set workflow, I would say. Like, I don't think it's very unusual. Like, I get the assignment, I read. I try and do some research that's visual, but like staying away from looking at other people's illustrations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And then I I just have piles and piles of scrap paper that I thumbnail on. Yeah. Um, And then from there, it's just, I do sketch. I do my sketches digitally now as well. And, on Procreate or? Uh, no, I, I work in Photoshop with a Wacom. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do have Procreate. I'm just not, I don't know. I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> yeah. So you use it for your sketches or for the illustration, the finished illustration? I, I, I tend to do everything on the tablet okay, uh, on, okay. my, on my big computer. Yeah. In Photoshop. So you don't use vector anymore as much in your current work, right? No, almost almost never. Yeah. I guess sometimes it's easier to make a, a shape in Illustrator. I personally use Photoshop a lot, but sometimes I'll make a shape if I have to in Illustrator because it's a lot easier to manipulate anchor points and stuff like that. But Yeah. It's it's I, I prefer Photoshop now a lot more than Illustrator. But I I also started in Illustrator. I think Illustrator might be a very good way to get started because of how it's it's very cool what you can do in Illustrator when you're just beginning. Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, it helps you think about composition uh, in a nicer way than Photoshop. And I shapes, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the way you combine shapes and see negative space, it's just a little bit more, for me anyway, it's a lot more natural. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I, I even sometimes I used to go back, even if I was doing something in Photoshop into Illustrator just to figure out a composition if it was if it was giving me trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I I guess now um, because I really admire um, seeing a bit more human hand in work, even if it's digital. I'm trying I'm trying hard to stay away from the vectors just because they're too perfect and they're they're like. I, they give a certain tightness to my work that I'm trying to relax a bit. Yeah, I can see that too, that shift and your work has become more relaxed. Do you use specific brushes that you really like in Photoshop or just the basic ones? Um, no, I use a lot of um, uh, like Kyle T. Webster brushes. Yeah, I, tend I know. To sort of mean. like, yeah, um, mod them a bit on my own. They're mm-hmm. never quite exactly what I want, but um, they're pretty close, and they're nice. They're a nice starting point if you don't want to start from scratch. So uh, I think I use those the most, but I'm not really like loyal to anyone. Like I'll go back and forth, or just be like, I've never tried this one before. Let's see what it does. And yeah, and some of your textures look like they're almost like watercolor. At least to me, they look like that. Do you do you make those yourself, or do you buy those? But yeah. 
For the watercolor ones, they're watercolor Photoshop or Procreate brushes. Oh, okay. They yeah. they almost look to me like um you scanned in some watercolor paper because I did that. It looks kind of similar. <laughs> so yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's like I feel like sometimes it's a bit cheating, but I, you got to go fast sometimes. No, I and... I don't think that's cheating. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I also feel like that sometimes I have to go the extra mile, but I don't know. The results are sometimes they're surprisingly good. <laughs> that's it. Or sometimes they're like surprisingly weird, and they're like very much like digital but in a cool way that I I think it's kind of true to the fact that I am doing digital work so I kind of leave it and say well that's you know I'm being honest about what I'm doing here that's true yeah and and so you do a lot of like etching I guess and um I don't know if you would call it etching but a lot of patterns with a pen uh Mm -hmm. in your work and do you usually those do those in in photoshop or do you do them by hand and then scan in no, I do them. I do them in Photoshop, but like by hand, like line by line, dot by dot. Or yeah, you don't really. Um, I guess you don't hack that too much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can sort of hack it, but like yeah, sometimes you really. It's just not going to look good unless you do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's ways that you can almost automatically etch stuff in Photoshop. I know, but yeah, and the I, I, actions and kind of stuff like that but it probably doesn't look as good (laughs) no or it's like I mean sometimes that's an effect that can be interesting and it can work but um I feel like I don't have control over it and it can no get a little too repetitive and yeah so uh, I guess after yours or your style really evolved did you notice a shift in the type of clients that were reaching out to you and what they were asking of you uh yeah I feel like now it just I guess my style is more clear to art directors so they're contacting me because they love my style and they want something in that style which feels really good Uh, and it really did take me a long time to get to this place where it's like I saw this piece and I want you know this exact feeling in this which um which is really rewarding and because it's new it's also been a bit of a like an interesting process selling it to art directors I've worked with before. Yeah, um, yeah. Who are kind of used to something else and they, they look at what I'm doing now and they're like, wow, it's a really big shift. But some people are, have been so supportive and they're just like, wow, you're really growing. Like, this is great. Like, please, you know, be happy and, and create from a good place. So that when you get that from an art director, it's so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been be a little awkward when you're working with someone you've worked with in, a, in such a different style beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's been a bit of a transition thing where I'll have art directors ask me to do stuff in my old style. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if they're people I really like working with, then, you know, even if I can't use it for my portfolio, I'm still happy to do it because, it, you know, I really value being able to work with people. And even though it's not as interesting to me right now, if they find it interesting and they think it's going to convey what they need to convey, then I'm happy to still do it, but I'm probably not going to put that, you know, out in my portfolio anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I noticed also that you, did you recently redo your website? Because I, I don't know if you recently did, yeah. but I noticed it because <laughs> yeah. it was, I don't know, I thought it was really cool. I always look for people who have great portfolios and it's it's hard as an illustrator because you have so many different colors and things going on, but your your website is really, really great. I think. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I did redo it recently and it felt 
again, it was like an easier process all of a sudden because I just like knew what I wanted to say. Uh-huh. Um, so it came from that, but it is, it's super hard to, to make a, a portfolio that doesn't sort of look like everyone else's. You yeah. don't want to spend like a million years building it when you're, you know, supposed to be making artwork. Um, and then to sort of like throw all this stuff together and, and somehow have a story behind it. So it's not a small task. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your portfolio definitely has a lot of personality. It feels like there's a person behind it. I definitely don't do that in mine and I probably should, but um, yeah, it's, I feel like it's what you feel comfortable with as well. Yeah. But yours has like, I mean, your work also is very consistent. Like you, the story is the work in a way. Like I feel like you're, well, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's very, your website is very clean and, but it's, so is your work. So it feels. Yeah. I don't know if my work is clean. I, I like the contrast of the <laughs> cleanliness next to it, I guess. Uh, Cause I've struggled in the past with all, all the colors conflicting, all the different formats. So I decided to just kind of go uniform, but sometimes I wonder if that was a mistake. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think your website looks super cool. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, how, how did you make your website? Did you, um, was there something you used for it? Uh, yes, I used uh, Cargo. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And I had been using Squarespace before that, which is very limiting. Which, yeah. It's very limiting. It's very easy. It's very like, if you don't know much about the back end of web design, like Squarespace is great, but um, I do know a little bit and I can, I'm comfortable doing a little bit of coding. So I thought I would switch to something that had more flexibility. And so far it's been really, really cool. I'm really impressed. What's Cargo like? Is it, does it have a visual editor? I, I use something called Samplice, which is a plugin for WordPress, but it's mostly okay. a visual editor, but it's much more flexible than Squarespace. Yeah. 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 Cargo, it's, it's a good mix of both. Like you could, it, you know, you start with a template and some of them are very basic and, or if you're not as comfortable, I think you could probably go with something a little bit more straightforward. And then there's drag and drop elements, but it's also very easy to just go in to any part of the code and, and do whatever you want. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It feels nice. Yeah. 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 So you kind of do just want to drag and drop things when you're updating your website, but yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, I, I, I grew out of the Squarespace kind of thing pretty fast. I felt like it was very, very limiting, especially when you have a very clear idea of what you want to do. It's very yeah. frustrating to try to do it in Squarespace. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So and, and so I want to talk more about how you work. Is there, do you have a space that you work in? Uh, right now, um, I work in a room in my apartment. Yeah. Um, same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's very cool because it's like a big room and it's my own room for doing illustration. Oh, you have an like, office. Yeah. That's fancy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very fancy. It feels very fancy. I've had it for about a year. Uh, before that, I worked uh, in a studio that I shared with people. And before that, I just worked out of my living room. Yeah. That's um, where I am currently. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the living room wasn't bad when I was living by myself. But then my partner moved in and it was just like, it was too much. And uh, I'm just, I find I'm not as creative when I'm around other people. It's I'm oh, really? okay. so introverted and like, I'm so used to just being on my own. So like even just someone talking in the background really shuts down my creativity and I 
Mm. Much more comfortable at home. Yeah, see, I, I, I zone out very easily. So I think I can work with people around me pretty well. Okay. But yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, but I wish I had an office just for my cat. My cat bothers me a lot when I'm working. He jumps on the tablet yeah. and stuff and it, it's really intrusive. Me too, me too. Having that door is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. kind of life-changing. Yeah, yeah. And so do you have mostly, you work on a, a Wacom tablet, you said? Yeah, yeah. I, and I do have an iPad that I sometimes work on, but um, I just, maybe I'm just too used to the workflow in Photoshop, but I, I miss it when I'm in Procreate. Yeah, it's really yeah. not the same. I mean, if yeah. you go into Procreate expecting Photoshop, it's a disappointment. Yeah, a bit. And sometimes I just like pressing weird buttons or doing weird actions in Photoshop and seeing what happens. And that, you know, towards the end of my process, and I hate that I can't like. There's no, there's no unexpected things with Procreate. Um, well, I feel like it, it. You can't use it in the same way, but you can definitely move something from Procreate. You can use it. I use it in the earlier stages much more. Because I do find it nicer to sketch in than Photoshop. Yeah, it does feel more natural. And yeah, sometimes I'll do sketches like on my couch. But then also I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. But I can't focus unless I'm sitting like at my desk. Oh, like okay. It's a super long desk and it has like a computer side and like a drawing side. And if I'm anywhere else, like I'm just not as productive. So yeah, no, but that makes sense. Uh, like I feel like that gets internalized a lot. Like you probably just have a, I don't know, it's almost automatic that when you're at your desk, you work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny that you can actually train like creativity to work like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This kind of creativity. But like now that I'm in the, you know, in the habit, like I don't have to worry about sort of not having ideas or something. I just kind of need to go to the right place and sit down. And Yeah. And do you keep a such schedule or hours? Uh, I try to. Um, it's it's definitely harder when you work from home. And uh, mm-hmm. like one of the reasons I work from home, too, is I was recently, like in the last year, diagnosed with colitis. So I'm sometimes very tired. I'm very like, it's just like a lot to handle on some days. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's great working from home. You can sort of take a break if you have an hour uh-huh. uh, or whatever. But that does sort of mess up a a schedule which is great I mean my best days I have a very like extreme schedule or like some weeks it's like every Wednesday I do accounting and every afternoon is client work except for like Thursday afternoon is personal work and like it can I kind of like try and get down to the minute but um, other weeks it honestly it just falls all apart yeah till like midnight or whatever so you tend to plan out different days and carve out time for things like personal work? I I try to just so it gets done. Um, Like in the last year, I found like uh, I wasn't doing any personal work and it it just seemed to be that I would let commissions sort of take over my entire schedule. Like if I had a week to do it, I would take that whole week to do the commission. And um, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, that's fine, but you really don't get anything else done. And I don't know if the work is any better for it in the end. Like yeah. Sometimes it's better yeah. to just sort of have it a set time for it. And, you know, that's the time that you give to clients. And then it's also nice to have time that you give to your own self as an artist and to your business. 
Yeah, I think that takes a certain amount of of experience and confidence to do. I'm definitely not there yet. I feel like if I have commissions, they take over. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, I think that really is something you have to work on. Um, but it's definitely more. Uh, I think it's, it's depend depends on your experience. I think too. Yeah, and like oh, I don't know. I just it took me so long to sort of realize that you know working every minute didn't. For me, anyways, I don't know how it is for other people, but like it didn't make the work better, but it did make me more stressed out. And it, you know, it zaps your your creativity. You need to like mix it up a little bit. And it's and it's so hard as a freelancer to like give yourself permission to do something not for money for a little bit. But uh -huh. man, I just feel like the work gets better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, what what's been the hardest thing for you about being a freelance illustrator? Oh, <laughs> I mean, there's so many things. It's, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I can't imagine going back and working for somebody again, but um, I mean, it's hard when you just don't know your schedule or your income in any given month. Yeah. It's hard when you, you know, you, I often have to cancel plans because jobs come in last minute and even though all of my friends and my partner, they know, like, that's just sort of how it rolls around here. Like, it is it is really hard to get up in the morning and not know if you're going to be able to go out for dinner or if you're, you know, chained to your desk or something like that. Like, it's just, it'd be nice to have a little more stability, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think, too, as I learn to manage my time better, it gets better. Yeah. Do you think about creating... I guess other streams of income besides commission work in order to uh, to be less chained to your desk in that way. Yeah, yeah, I'd really like to like um, make children's books. Mm, mm -hmm. I think that would be really really fun, um, and also just a, such a different schedule, you know. It is, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that would be creatively really satisfying i open like an online shop and i'm just starting with that again which is sort of like full circle to when i began um selling products although i'm coming at it from a different place does it work well for you that that angle because i i've found that a lot of illustrators find that that's really really hard to keep up and uh make enough mon money out of yeah I, well right now i have pretty low expectations for it it's more just um, extra, you know, it's yeah. there and it just generates a little bit of income every week and maybe it grows, maybe it doesn't, but I'm, I mean, it's, I know it's on my main source of income and I know I can't put too much time into it just because, um, I don't think unless you're like really dedicated and you have an amazing social media following and you're really good at networking and getting out to all those markets and stuff, you know, I don't think it is going to be like a a viable second stream of income all the time that I can count on. Yeah. But it, it's not, it doesn't hurt. It really doesn't hurt. If you just sort of put, you know, as much time into it as you're getting paid back from it, it, it is something extra. How, how do you manage that? The, the whole selling, do you, do you have like a, a, I guess, do you print stuff and send it directly from your house? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just restarting it now. I have a, I have a printer here that I use, like an archival quality printer. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. That really helps. Yeah. Yeah. So I can print on demand things. And um, 
I feel like that's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm selling some postcards and like, they're like a nice little set. And I know that they just fit in these cardboard mailers I have. And I have a post office across the street from me. And so even if I just sell a couple a week, I just have to walk over there and send it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You just sort of set up your system and then you let it happen. And, um, yeah, it's not, I'm not dealing with huge volumes right now. So it's fine. Like it's, it's just another little task I have in my week. Yeah, it's almost um, like a, you could take a break and walk <laughs> to the post office. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's just like, I, I find it's like a nice way to connect with a different group of people, like not art directors or other illustrators, but just, you know, people who are doing other things with their lives that just happen to like your work and they reach out to you. And it, it's just like kind of satisfying to know there's another audience out there that's paying attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really like the idea of doing a postcard series. You do one for every month, right? Yeah. Well, I just did a project. It was actually because um, like a, a design and art collective was doing a show and it was postcard themed and they asked me to participate. So I... Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, what am I, you know, what am I going to do that's interesting with postcards? And I, I just personally really miss corresponding uh, in the mail with people. Yeah. So... I made this series of 12 postcards. It's like one for every month. And the idea is like you buy the set and you kind of, ha- you're committing to sending one postcard a month to somebody and then they get the whole set uh, over 12 months. And oh, I see. That's really cool. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Just so, just like, I feel like a postcard, it's not like the commitment of a letter or something. Um, yeah. So I did a series of postcards for, for a year. That's a really nice idea. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, a, it was honestly the first personal project I've done in quite a while. And it felt so good to just do something silly and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a real, uh, I think it's, it's in a way, it seems really strategic as well. Um, I don't know how, how much strategy was involved in it in the beginning, but it's definitely a, a, an idea that I think is smart and would work in terms of selling that. To, to people online yeah it, yeah it's straightforward it's it's interesting it's funny. it's shareable it's like, yeah, yeah yeah it's shareable it's like a low price point mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know I, I really i liked it but i haven't actually sent any of the postcards to my friends so like <laughs> yeah a bit of a hypocrite yeah 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 uh so do you have plans for more personal projects this year yeah, I think I'd like to just make some merch just for myself, for fun, for my online shop. Um, yeah, I have some ideas for like t-shirts and tote bags and, and stuff like that, which um, I don't know. Like At certain points, I was like, does the world need more stuff? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think they're interesting enough that uh, a few people might find them fun. And then I'm... I am putting together like a kid's book proposal that I want to shop out and see if someone would publish it. And I think those two things are probably going to take up any spare time I have. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I hope you, I hope you get to work on a, on a children's book. Um, and you should definitely come back if, uh, when you do, cause that, yeah. that'd be really cool to hear about. I don't know a lot of people who actually illustrate children's book, it's, it's a totally different, again, it's a totally sub, different uh, sub-industry in illustration. Yeah, like, like some people are specialized in that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's so different. 
but it's really interesting. Yeah. So much freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it tends to be really long, I think. the Like you work on it for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit scary because I'm definitely someone who likes to sort of finish things up right away. And, and a long-term project like that is it's going to be a challenge. It's long-term. And from what I've heard, like book publishing, it, it's not they move pretty slowly and it has to go through so many people that the projects tend to take a lot more time than they would like for commercial and stuff. It, I don't know. Yeah, I've heard that too. Although honestly, like I've got projects that I did two years ago that haven't been released and it's kind of, <laughs> and you know, in commercial, commercial projects. And those are, those are funny too. And at a certain point you just have to let go and mm-hmm, <laughs> hope mm-hmm. for the best. Yeah. I wanted to ask you one last big question before we do more um, rapid questions. But the the question is really, uh, if you could talk directly to illustrators who are just starting out today, um, what would you, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Well, I guess like as the trajectory of this interview has shown, like you might want to try trusting what you've always liked to do with art and not, yeah. you know, like really think about why, what you like to do and why you do it and, and trust that that's enough. And even if, you know, other people are telling you you should do something else or you like a lot of these other super cool illustrators and they seem to be doing something completely different, like it doesn't mean what you're doing isn't, isn't the right thing because it'll uh-huh. be a lot easier. That's all I can say. It just gets so much easier when it feels like it's, it's what you actually naturally do. Yeah. And I, I guess some people, they might not be able to do that right away. Um, no. Sometimes it takes a lot of trial and error. Um, personally, I don't think I could have done that uh, right away. Maybe no. you could have because it sounds like you had a, a good idea of your style beforehand, maybe, that you maybe, were Maybe, but then again, clearly I didn't get there. <laughs> like, and that's, I mean, that it feels kind of bad when you're still struggling and you look at other people's work and it looks so polished or yeah, yeah. so clear that they know what they're doing. But I mean, all of the other work I did, even the stuff that wasn't as, as good, you know, like I'm still, still look back on it fondly because it was, I don't know. It's just part of your creative process and it's, there's no like right or wrong for that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember if there was ever a time where you almost gave up or stopped? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like two years, two and a half years ago, uh-huh. I was like studying for law school. Um, oh, you were? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. was like, I got to do something that's like stable. And oh, so half and half. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, like I just couldn't like, um, I couldn't imagine doing this for the rest of my life or for a, an extended period of time. And at some point I was just so bored with the studying and I looked and I was looking at the life that I had, which even though it was sometimes unstable and scary and it's like so much of a struggle uh, to get that, to get it right and to make art you like, it was like, that's still just, you know, I'm so lucky to be doing this. And it kind of reaffirmed where I was at. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been a lot more committed to it since then. But there was there's definitely moments. It's just a hard it's a hard job. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the beginning, especially when you don't have a firm grasp over what your voice is, I feel like it could be really easily it could be really easy to stop. Um 
just because you feel almost not fully committed sometimes in the beginning. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really tough. It, it is really tough. And it's like, it's really messy. And it's hard because you're doing a job that people see, like it's a public job. Yeah, so and you have to share mess. it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they see it. I mean, some people are really supportive, but it also, you know, do I wish that everything looked amazingly streamlined from beginning to end on all of my various public profiles? Yes, but that's just not how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Most people can't do that. I, no. I, yeah. And most people who have very polished, streamlined social media now have deleted a fair amount of their previous work to get there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I might. I mean, maybe I should be doing more of that, but I don't know if that's necessary when you have a consistent stream. Um, few people will go back to your very beginning, I guess, in your feed. But I know some people just don't like having those things. I definitely deleted a lot of older work that I had on my Instagram. Um, but I don't know if that's the best thing to do. It almost makes it less visible to people who are starting out and. That might not be a good thing because then their expectation is that you just have this style or voice magically and it it doesn't take time to develop. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of what I think about. Although I do, honestly, there's pieces that I've made that it just like make me squirm and I yeah, yeah. my pads and I definitely take those off when I feel like I've outgrown them. But I try and keep the ones that I'm proud of. Yeah, it's like you're really embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that feeling. I want to move on to some quicker little questions before we wrap up. My my first one is, do you have some books that you return to a lot for inspiration? I have a bunch of vintage kids books that I look at a lot. Okay. I have a little bit of a collection. And I, I guess maybe the colors there too are really interesting to me because they were just you know, printing was really restricted at a certain point, and so they could only use a few colors and combine them in certain ways. So I, I tend to, even if the style is really bizarre, the colors are really exciting. Yeah. Do you have a few uh, favorites that you might be able to share? I have like an old science textbook that was um, illustrated by Charlie Harper, like the, the guy that does all the wildlife. Mm -hmm. I just love that one. Uh, I go back to it all the time for color stuff. And I have like the treasury of, what is it? The golden treasury of myths and legends. Yeah, that's a really cool one. I, I don't know. Even like I find more even than books. I tend to go, like I go thrift shopping a lot and I like uh, just wandering around and looking at all the weird fabrics and textures and stuff that are up against each other in weird ways. Like I find that very inspiring. Do you use a lot of uh, like Pinterest for, for inspiration or not really? Uh, I have one board that I just sort of dump everything into. <laughs> um, and sometimes I, I mean, if I'm like feeling like a little tired or whatever, I'll go through and, and see if something jumps out that'll start, start the engines for sure. But I, I could be more organized about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wh who, um, who are some of the illustrators working today that, that really inspire you? It could be, um, actually, it could be illustrators from the past, if that, that's easier to answer. Because I know sometimes it's hard to point out people who are currently working. Yeah. Oh, man. That's... I mean, you mentioned Charlie Harper. Um, yeah. So, so many talented, talented people. It's so overwhelming. Um, I really like Audrey Helen Weber's work, or Weber. I'm not sure how you say her last name. Uh-huh. 
She's one of my favorites ever. Uh-huh. I've um, never actually seen her work. I have to check it out. Yeah, it's it's very like folk and very simple and very naive, but it's like it really taps into like symbolism in a beautiful way. Uh-huh. Um John Alcorn, I guess. He's he's uh an old illustrator. He worked with Martin Blazer and the Pushpin. Yeah, I was going to say, I think your work really sometimes reminds me of his work a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, I have a beautiful uh, book of his work that I, I go back to and he's, he's the coolest. But it's so hard to name. Like, there's just, it's so overwhelming, actually, how many talented illustrators there are. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It's, Instagram is like, it just kills me some days. It's just yeah. Like, how can there be this much talent and how am I working in this pool of people? It's, yeah, it's hard not to compare yourself and um, to others on Instagram. I mean, as an illustrator, it's, it's really hard. It is. It is. And sometimes people just look so prolific. Like they're just putting Mm -hmm. stuff up like Mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. um, Yeah. And you definitely need time to do that as well. (laughs) It's really, I have one more question, which is, uh, do you have a, um, a dream project. I guess you mentioned the children's books, but is there anything else that you really dream of doing, whether that's working with a specific client or a specific type of project? Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely the kids book. Definitely. Like I haven't worked with the New Yorker yet and I would love to. Yeah. That's a goal for this year as it is for, I'm sure every illustrator. But yeah, that's a, I feel like that's a very significant milestone for illustrators in general. Yeah, yeah, and I I really would like to work with them. Um, I wouldn't mind doing uh, more commercial work mm-hmm. if you know with brands that were that gave me a little bit of freedom. Like I, for a long time, I wasn't confident in, in making work that didn't have like a really specific message. Yeah, and was more about a mood. But all of a sudden, I find myself more attracted to like making a mood with with my work, and then. I think commercial work would be really great for that, like a really big campaign work or something like that was just fun and happy and positive and weird. That's cool. Uh, Well, I'll be looking at your work and just looking for your progress in the coming year. But yeah, I'm really happy that we got to talk and I really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you. Me too. Thank you so much. And I really enjoy your work. It's like such an honor to be interviewed by you. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And that was my conversation with Melanie Lambrick. I hope you enjoyed it. Melanie, thank you so much for spending this time to answer my questions and for being so open about your journey. If you're curious about any of the things we talked about, book references, projects, people, check out this episode's show notes at illustrationhour.com forward slash Lambrick. And if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing to my weekly newsletter, Art Club. It's made especially to help creatives like you thrive, and it's my way of sharing resources, inspiration, tools, and opportunities more directly with you. It's also the best way to ask me a question or interact with me. Just hit reply on any of the newsletter's issues, and I'll get back to you. You can find out more on illustrationhour.com forward slash newsletter. It means a lot to me. All right, that's it for this episode. Have a creative week.